You're listening to the Wes and Walker show. He's off to the side. He's drawn. He's like floating to the media. <laughs> Did you guys know about this point guard? Did you guys know that we don't need to invest in wide receivers? He's off to the side, not at the podium, because he wants to let you know what he found out so badly. It's Wes. Yeah, and I mean, just in retrospect now, with the way that this team is looking, the offense is looking, it definitely has not aged well. And Walker. What's up, Fiddy? <laughs> I was not prepared for the... Oh, he's a point guard. <laughs> we don't have to spend money. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNC. But now you do. <laughs> now you do. One more hour to go on Weston Walker. Thanks for listening to Sports Radio 92.7 playlist. Think that he likes this one? I saw him dance. Is he right about that? If you put this beat on the playlist, would you accept it? Well, I mean, I don't have a choice but to accept it. I might not have a good review once I hear it, but yes, I would. I'm not going to complain about whatever playlist he actually puts together if he puts I need to get some of the essentials because I forgot some of the ones that he really likes. Some of those more soulful type of beats, you know, that you have from those Roots albums that I've. I've never heard like that, so I need you to tell me a couple of those. It is funny that we have so many, because I just put in, like, artists that I have and their instrumentals. And so, if we hear one Roots beat, we're going to hear about three or four of them. Yeah. (laughs) Because I've got them in the Walker Mail music folder. And so, we're going to hear a little bit more of Philadelphia Half-Life. That's just how it is. And then if there is, I got, I probably got a couple of the documentary in there, too. Mm -hmm. And so, we might... Keep your ears wide open for some more of the game on here because it might just happen for you. And then we can get that playlist together for Josh Fitty Marlowe. While he gets ready, the live wire for us. Go live ahead. Live wire it, connect. going to keep rolling with the Dave Canales sound as we are fully immersed in Canalysis here on Wesson Walker and on WFNZ as a whole. We talk about culture a lot in sports, especially in football, and the new head coach of the Panthers says he's excited to build a winning culture here in Carolina. We're looking for championship moments, championship days, and that's got to be a full-on commitment every single time we walk in here. Um, So for me, it's about building that culture, building our language, making sure that we're using specific language. There's going to be a bunch of buzzwords being thrown around. I don't like synonyms. We all speak the same language, and we're heading in the same direction with that alignment that we talk about. Um, And I'm, I'm so excited to create that culture. Culture is what you celebrate. Culture is also what you condemn, and you say... This is a horrible looking play. Look what happened right here, guys. Boo this man, please, somebody. And then, like, at the same time, finding great opportunities from practice, from games to celebrate it. That's how you create culture, and I'm really excited to be able to do that. Walker, he he doesn't like synonyms, and he wants public booing when they're reviewing film. Maybe we don't have a pom-pom waving high school football coach running our organization anymore. Not over the top, at least. No, I thought that was funny. And you might hear some of the good old coach speak saying we want championship moments every single day. I want a little bit of coach speak, though, with my coach. Maybe just a little bit. 
at least something to fall back on in order to motivate There's your always players. buzzwords that are going to uh, get you right. going when you hear certain things. And so, um, Dan, uh, I had to disagree with Granny Pat. I think Dan Morgan definitely got me hyped. But uh, Canal is just talking about the coach and saying, that, hey, you know, guys are going to be held accountable. Guys are going to have to, you know, see some of the things that aren't so great. And, uh, you know, I believe him. I think that he's got a great balance. And I think even when he delivers in negative situations, it's always going to have a positive spin on it. Uh, I'm just interested to see because he's so positive what he's going to be like when he if he gets really angry about something. Well, he said that we have buzzwords and he's one of those buzzwords is going to be first and 10 because every day is a first and 10 opportunity for him. My timelines today. How can we win today? Let's have a great uh, interaction here. Let's start talking about what football you can expect out of us. Um, and so today this looks like a win for me. And that's just the way I think. Just approaching every single day. It's first and ten. I got a new set of downs. My whole call sheet's at my disposal. Um, and got a bunch of fantastic people to go to work with today. Uh, it looks like putting a great staff together for me right now. Um, it looks like getting with Dan, looking at this roster, and really coming up with a with an airtight plan for who we want to become. All right, Wes. First and ten might be his buzzword. You've been in multiple locker rooms. What was your favorite buzzword or coach speak word you or you heard in high school or in college? Oh man, because um, Coach Grove was really good with that. He had sayings. Uh, I'd give you my favorite was probably you know he always told us to go out and play like our hair was on fire. He always told us that uh, no matter what. And uh, probably my least favorite was uh, when he'd say when we lost games, all I know how to do is work harder. And when he said that, you would just see eyes cut across the room and everybody just looking at each other like, oh, God, practice is going to be awful this week. (laughs) All I know how to do is work harder because that means he was going to work the hell out of us. Yeah, um, that's <laughs> you didn't hate the saying. You just hated what the saying meant. Yeah, man. What it was, or what it was going to lead to. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of like playing with your hair on fire. So that yeah, one's that one, that one. That one's yeah, not. He'd always tell us that. That, that was kind of always his last mm-hmm. words before we got ready to walk out of the locker room. All right. What else you got over there, Fitty? All right. Now we'll transition and we'll hear to Dan Morgan. And maybe this cut will inspire belief in Granny Pat about her new GM. He said that he's looking for winning players on and off the field. We're going to do everything in our power to build this team the right way, not only on the field, but off the field. The type of character guys that we bring in are going to be guys that love football, play with passion, play with the relentless pursuit of greatness. All right. Yeah, so we're going like to reading off a damn cue call. Uh, Granny Pat. That's what she was telling you. <laughs> we're going to dissect some some words here. Maybe get a little conspiracy. And we played some sound earlier from Dan. Where it says he wants players that are obsessed with football, that love football, that every single day they want to be get, become better football players. You think that was his way of saying that the group that Scott Fitterer put together wasn't a football-loving group and they weren't obsessed with getting better? Or that's just something you have to say as a GM? Yeah, I, I think that that was just a general thing. You got to say that. You got to give them a little bit of the glimpse of the type of players that you're going to bring in because it's not like you're going to try to bring in all the players everybody else is. You're going to try to bring in the best players. And I'm damn sure that if that player doesn't have the greatest character in the world but he's an absolute monster, they're going to find a way to be able to uh, keep him around here. So, you know, Dan was just basically saying what everybody else says. 
Yeah, and the offensive line, by the way, showed up, and I saw him looking at some of the players that were there. So we saw the offensive line. We saw former Panthers legends, and it felt like that was a very player-driven message from somebody that used to be a very good one in his own right once he was in the NFL in the early 2000s. And so, yeah, this is one. I don't think that this is a specific shot to Scott Fitterer. Remember, those guys are reportedly best friends or you know, very close with one another, having worked together in Seattle and then here again in Carolina. I don't think he was taking a shot at Scott Fitterer. He might be telling you that there definitely need to be some changes with this Panthers team. Of course there needs to be, but that's all I took it as. Guys, it finally happened. One of my many jokes about NC State, it's broken a texter. Copeland on the text line has texted a book and is mad about my tractor insults. Can we also call him Jokeland? Mm-hmm. Maybe he could take a take a joke. Yeah, the tractor stuff, man. I don't know what you have against tractors all the time, but you always put that on NC State. He does. As he does. Chapel Hill is a bustling metropolis. Well, I guess I don't really associate tractors with Chapel Hill. Me neither. I, I don't, yeah. NC State, it's they can never get away from your tractor. But Chapel Hill is a little uh, rural when you get on the outskirts, right? The outskirts of the school. I think they have pretty much the opposite reputation, though. Right? I mean, it's the wine and cheese crowd. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, POS is like uh, Dave Dorn said. Right. Easy, Tiger. Three straight. (laughs) Um, Earlier in the show, we were talking about Greg Olson's future in the booth as a broadcaster. Well, he joined the Dan Patrick show yesterday to talk about would he request a trade from Fox to another network to be a top analyst. I'm not really in the business of making demands. You know, I'm not sitting here holding anyone's feet to the fire. Fox understands the position I'm in. They understand what my aspirations are. Um... And, you know, we're not sitting there banging the table and saying, we, we you have to let us, you know, I, I, I'm, we're not in that. We're not doing that. You know, we, we understand what we signed up for. Um, they understand where I, where I am and being at this stage of my career of where I want to go. And I think we're all, we understand the delicate situation that we're in, right? I, I, <laughs> I understand when Tom Brady's looming over your shoulder. It's the biggest news in sports. I get it. He's Tom Brady. He's someone I've respected for, damn, 20 years. Um, so I, I, I understand the, the uniqueness of what's going on, and I feel like we've handled it as well as we could for the last two years. And if I can get another opportunity to call top games at Fox or somewhere else, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. I think I'm, I'm right in saying that we all are uh, Kirk Herbstreet guys. We, we all like Kirk Herbstreet. Yeah, I think he does a good job. Wes, you, you, you like Herbie? I do. I love Herbie. It doesn't sound right when I see him on Thursday Night Football with Al Michaels. He's a college guy. And not that he's a bad broadcaster. It just doesn't sound right. Greg Olson on Thursday Night Football with Al Michaels or whoever in the future, maybe that's where we see uh, the former Panthers tied in in the future because he's not going to be the top broadcaster at Fox or CBS. Well, the only thing I would say to that is I think Herbstreit signed a pretty lucrative deal with Amazon to do those games. I'm not sure if they're going to get him out of there just yet for Greg Olson, but I think he's going to land on his feet, and I think he's going to get a nice gig somewhere. There's going to be some shaking uh, around in the broadcast world, and somebody's going to find a space for Greg Olson to come in uh, and be a top color commentator. I I think he's earned that. Whether you like him or not, he's earned it because he's called some of the biggest uh, of games thus far 
on big stages. Well, and Greg is, yeah, he's definitely earned it. I think he's answered this question a lot. He answered it from us. He answered it when he was doing the media car wash with a bunch of media outlets here in the local area. Now here he is even going on national platforms. He's had to answer this question a ton because everybody wants to know, hey, what's going on with the Greg Olson-Tom Brady dynamic? And I really don't think Greg knows. He keeps telling you that. Look, I have zero clue what's on the horizon for me. Tom Brady's going to step in. We did hear from Tom Brady on the Pat McAfee show when he confirmed, yep, it's going to be me. It's going to be Kevin Burkhart. Not going to be a three-man booth. And Greg Olson's not going to be in the number one booth. So who knows where he's going? Greg has been consistent in his messaging that we understand the situation we're in. And he knew what he signed up for two years ago. And I think he's been, I guess, real mature. Not that I would expect anything differently from that, but that has been the consistent message. I know what's happening, and now i got to go find what the next opportunity is. He does love this. He loves it. And what's interesting talking to him about it is he loves being in the coaches' rooms talking ball. He says he loves talking different philosophies in football. He loves talking about the effects that the advanced metrics and analytics have on the NFL, understanding it. He likes teaching the game, and you don't get a bigger audience than calling the biggest games in the NFL playoffs. And so the fact that he's able to do that now, I have to imagine that he'll find other big games to call somewhere. The Amazon stuff, Vinny, I get it. Like I, It just feels weird because you're catching Al Michaels at the tail end of his career, and we've had so much criticism of Al Michaels despite being on the Mount Rushmore, as far as I'm concerned, of best play-by-play announcers of all time. We've always criticized him about not loving doing this anymore, not being excited about some of the games that you've had on Thursday Night Football. So do you want Al Michaels and Greg Olson to do it? And Thursday Night Football often gets bad games. I don't know. I'm with you. If it means Amazon or nothing, then do Amazon. But I just hope he's able to land somewhere else. All right. No sound here, but did want to work in uh, this topic really quick. The Hornets lost last night at home to the Bulls, 117 to 110, to complete an 0-4 homestand. But Walker last night was a close defeat. It was a competitive defeat, if you will. What did you make of uh, the recent four-game homestand for the Bugs and? What's the future for this team now as they sit at 10 and 35, 10 and 36? Hey, that Terry Rogier was looking directly into my eyeballs when saying the Hornets have losing in their DNA because I was here for the moral victory. <laughs> I desperately wanted, no, not a good performance. I wanted a respectable performance. The bar is on the ground. I need to be able to step over it. And if I can clear the bar on the ground, I'm good. I couldn't see them go out against the Chicago Bulls and get beat by 20. That didn't happen. No third quarter collapse. Thank God. You got to the fourth quarter. It was tight. Chicago had to make a bunch of buckets at the end. Kobe White just couldn't be stopped. He was blown by everybody at the point of attack. He's too quick. And he might flirt around and win most improved player of the year award. He's been that good. So you lost a close game against the Chicago team that's on the rise. And you did it with so many injuries. And I thought the effort was pretty good from them. So often when a team loses, it's, oh, their effort is terrible. And we just slap that on as analysis. And then we move on. Their effort's terrible. Their effort's terrible. Effort was good last night. They executed as best as they could. And I think somebody on the text line had it correctly saying that was a not as much talent on the team kind of loss. They don't have Kobe White that's making that emergence. They don't have a top five defensive guard in the NBA like Alex Caruso. They don't have old wily vet that can hit tough shots into Rose. And then they don't have a two-time all-star like Nikola Vucevic. 
You just got out-talented last night. The forwards are great. PJ, Miles, Brandon all went for over 20 points. They were fantastic. They just didn't have anybody else that could help them. Yeah, and so that's what you want to see from this team, man. The fans want to see a fight until the end. We get tired of seeing the blowouts every single night because that gives the perception more than anything that this team doesn't care and that losing culture that they've talked about in the DNA that Terry talked about. And so for this team to battle, hey, we're at the point where it is about moral victories with the Charlotte Hornets, man, because you don't feel like going into hardly any games. They've lost to the worst teams in the league, the Pistons, the Spurs. So it's not like you go into any game with the confidence that they will win. But if they're battling and playing against relatively decent teams and keeping it close up until the end, I think that's all you can hope for at this point. Yeah, the title of the podcast for Locked on Hornets, the episode that I released last night, early this morning, the title is The Charlotte Hornets Are Only Talented Enough for Moral Victories. And so if that's the only kind of victory that you can get, I'm going to take it. Yeah, Terry. I'm the one you speak of when so I have to lose. make them one and zero in moral victories, or uh, I say they probably got a couple this year. Maybe they probably have a couple. Four, yeah, three, like I, I live this. I talk about them every day. <laughs> Losing is absolutely in my DNA. <laughs> Terry Rozier wasn't lying. What else you got, Fitty? I was just gonna ask: Is there such a thing as a moral loss? Like you got moral victories? No, I saw you. Well, moral victory and moral loss is the same thing. Well, was a moral loss when you win, but like, did North Carolina have a couple of moral losses before they actually lost to Georgia Tech? No, because at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, we don't believe in moral no, losses. No, that's cap fitted because I've heard you come in here when y'all barely beat some teams and you like, that's as good as a loss to me. <laughs> Yeah, I've heard you say that before, man. You ain't man, getting you away got, with that. You've got that selective hearing, man. Nah, you ain't getting away with that, man. You cap, <laughs> cap daddy. Well, I mean, everything at Wake Forest is a moral victory, so oh, we got actual victories. Was our ACC football championship that you guys haven't gotten since the 80s, was that a moral victory or oh, what? Let me know. This is a man that just brushed up on the history. You cannot mess with this man yeah, right now. Let, let, let me know when y'all get an ACC championship in football and keep losing in the championship game, okay? I just want to know, will Wes have a moral victory on February 11th when the Chiefs win their third Super Bowl in four well, years? Well, you better keep praying. That uh, they don't win because if they do win, <laughs> I'm not, uh, I'm not showing up Monday. Ages. I'm just taking the day off. You yeah, get sloppy. You might as well. <laughs> you might as well. All right. We'll continue that during the break. See if it makes its way on air again at 220. We'll also talk about some of the defensive players and uh, how much of them need to step up alongside of Arrow because now you're bringing back the entire defensive staff. Can we see some guys improve within this staff? And with the staff being alongside him again, what kind of expectations do we have from the stars? Is Brian Burns going to come back? We have a lot of topics to still hit on Wes and Walker. You're listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Welcome back, folks. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Keep the text coming on the text line 704-570-9610. Also, hit those socials. WFNZ on Twitter and Instagram. At Wes Bryant underscore 72. At Walker Mail. And at HTB underscore Josh on Twitter and Instagram. Hit that follow button. And most importantly, the Wesson Walker page on Twitter. Going to the text line. Most City Jacker says... WF getting Wake Forest, I should say, getting an ACC championship in football is to 
proverbial blind squirrel finding a nut. Is that right? Because last time I checked, Wake went to seven straight bowl games, and uh, they've been back to the ACC championship game since then, and they won it. If it was so damn easy and the ACC was down, then how come nobody else has done it? How come Carolina couldn't do it that year? How come State couldn't do it that year? Can you can you riddle me that, Mo City Jacker? Okay. Uh, I don't know who your team is, but let me know when they win an ACC football championship because thus far – the Demon Deacons are the only team around here that's gotten an ACC blingy looks like, in look, recent history. Looks All like right? he's a state fan. Yeah, well, state ain't sniffed the ACC championship game, so get your weight up, homie. All right, so now Man. getting back to the Carolina Panthers. Ejero uh, Evero will return under new head coach Dave Canales, and we know that this was something that a lot of the defensive players were pushing for. We heard Brian Burns say he hopes that he was able to uh, come back well, he was saying that he hoped that Evero would be back and that this defense would return intact to see what they could do at full strength. We've heard those comments echoed by several Panthers defensive players. And so, you know, you wondered at first, were they applying too much pressure to try to bring him back? And even Marquise Haynes this morning in the barbershop, he sounded very excited uh, that Evero is oh, returning. Wow. He was talking about the potential of that defense, and he said that he was excited that the defense was going to return intact and keep the same scheme in place, which is another thing a lot of people talked about. And I think that uh, he he spoke on how excited that he was uh, for this team to have some continuity on the defensive side. And so with that said, do we feel like that Evero coming back is going to all but uh, you know seal Brian Burns returning to this defense. Oh no, I don't think that. I yeah. I, I think there's a still a shot that Brian Burns leaves. I, I think everything is up in the air right now. Brian Burns didn't get a deal done despite us thinking that was going to happen before the season started. You had the weird back and forth. He sits out a couple of days of practice. We thought, okay, here's the holdout, and then he comes back like a couple of days afterwards. He tells you right after he plays in the debut against the Falcons that he's not going to miss any time at all throughout the regular season. I think we're probably headed for a franchise tag. That's what would make some sense here. But the reporting on Brian Burns contract negotiation was that Carolina was more in the $24 million a year area. And Brian wanted that thing to start with a three. He wanted 30 or somewhere close to it. And it didn't feel like either party was budging as much. You don't have Samir Suleiman here anymore. So now your capologist is Brant Tillis, who got a glowing review from Dan Morgan, who's excited to work alongside him. He's going to be your contract guy. Sounded like Dan Morgan was very excited to stop working with contracts and hand that over to one Brant Tillis. And so we'll see. I mean, we've got some new faces in the organization that are making this decision, Wes. I do think that Avero coming back might allow Brian Burns to feel a little more comfortable. So perhaps that's the case, but this is going to come down to money. And we'll see what kind of contract negotiation happens as we approach this offseason. But I have to imagine it's going to be different this offseason compared to last because that's what timing does. The fact that this isn't resolved, sure, Brian Burns is a little frustrated with this now. Now you have to go negotiate with somebody differently. So I really, I think it's 50-50. I have no clue. Maybe it's franchise tag and then he agrees after that. That makes sense that we see that happen a lot. But I don't think Averro coming back makes it a foregone conclusion. Uh, according to Spot Track, they have Brian Burns' current value 
on the open market at $21.7 million. Nope. That's a low number to me. Not going to do it. Uh, they have his market value posted as a five-year, $108 million deal, $21 million average salary. So you're saying not going to do it as far as you think that's too high, or you don't think oh, Brian no. Burns is going for that? Yeah, Burns isn't going for that. Yeah, I, I, I would bet a lot of things. I'm not going to do it now because it, it's, a, it's a fool's errand to uh, bet something and not have anything else that you would gain if you lose. But there's just no way that Brian Burns is going to agree to a $21 million a year deal. Yeah, That's not going to happen. He will either, especially if he's able uh, to hit that open market, which I don't think that will be the case. But will do you think Evero will want to keep the defense together so he could see the potential. I mean, we know he suffered so many injuries last season. Uh, you know, this team, you never got to see this defense at its full potential. And when you just take a look at the free agents that they've got coming up, guys that are unrestricted names of note, uh, you know, C.J. Henderson, I'm so people aren't going to be sad if he leaves. Uh, but then you look at Frankie Louvu uh, is in that mix. Brian Burns, Marquise Haynes, Sam Franklin, uh, YGM. Deshaun Williams. So those are some of the names of note. Then you add in Jeremy Chen as well, Troy Hill. Uh, those are some of the names of note on defense that will be uh, unrestricted free agents. Uh, Brian Burns, as we said, more than likely will get the franchise tag. And I wonder if it will be a debate between them as far as which one they will put it on between Burns and Frankie Louvu. But I would think that the franchise tag would certainly be reserved uh, for Brian Burns. But do you think EJ will make a push to keep most of these guys together if it's if it's possible. I, I think he's, yeah, I, what would he like? I think you, of course, would want to keep Brian Burns because that's a talented player walking out of the door, and there's no sure thing about that talent being replaced. So the only way that it would make sense for Avera wanting Burns to leave is if Brian Tillis and Dan Morgan promised Avero that they would spend that money on, okay, we don't have the star, $30 million a year, or even, let's just say, 26 27 or whatever the mark might be. He walks out. Now you have $13 million to divvy up between two other starters on the squad. Perhaps that's what Avera would like. Or divvy up that total however much you would want to. I don't think you'd want to lose Frankie Louvu. I think Louvu doing a bunch of different things and also being an elite blitzer at the linebacker position I, I think, frankly, Frankie Louvu being that good and, and that versatile and seeking collisions at that kind of level, I don't think Avera wants to lose him either. So, yeah, I, I think he wants to keep as many guys as he can that were good for him, but that's just not the nature of the NFL. So you're saying he loves what he do, Louvu. What Louvu, what he do, Louvu? Yeah, he loves what he do. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> All right, so he do turgaloo. Is that what you're going with? Panthers.com put out an article uh, uh, from about Dante Jackson and J.C. Horn, and talking about both guys were uh, quoted in the piece as saying how excited they were to be healthy going into this offseason, not have to worry about surgeries or injuries or anything like that. And so, again, going back uh, to this defense and how it could look next season, do you feel like that this is the right duo for this defense or that they need uh, a changing of the guard out there at the cornerback position? Well, I, I mean, the J.C. Horn thing, he's a number one corner on an NFL team as long as he's healthy. So we'll see about his injury history and if he's able to stay as healthy as, I mean, I don't know, you'd love to see at least 14 games from him. At least, right? If you play 14, that probably is considered a win. I thought Dante Jackson started off rough, then played really well for like a 
I don't know, six, seven week stretch. And then it felt like he might've fell off again a little bit in coverage, but ultimately this is, I think an average cornerback in the league. I think he's a willing tackler. Doesn't mean he's always going to make them. I think he can cover, but he's always going to be a little undisciplined on some of these routes and you can see him get beat. He's smaller. You talk about a lot of bigger wide receivers in the NFC South. When you go up against Tampa Bay, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, those are brutes of human beings out there, no matter who you want to put Dante Jackson on. I think he's, I I like him as a number two. Like I'm totally fine with Dante Jackson being a starter alongside JC Horn. It's not the best, but sometimes there are average football players. You don't have to be great. You don't have to be terrible. Sometimes there's average football players. And I think Dante Jackson is a fine number two, as far as I'm concerned, Really, it all depends on if that room can stay healthy and specifically, can your number one cornerback in J.C. Horn stay healthy? Yeah, um, it's going to be interesting, the decision that they decide to make about J.C. Horn, because at this point. Got caught lacking. Got caught lacking right there by the EMS. No, it's all good. We are fine. I was getting to my point to say that I think that they should. I think they should find a way to probably find them some new corners. You know how I feel about Dante Jackson. I actually don't. Like, how do you feel about Dante? Like, is he? No, no. It's like I really because we we've talked about Dante. It's I don't. I don't know where you fall on him, you know, just not needing a spot on this team, not feeling comfortable with him as a number one, which I agree. I don't want him to be the number one corner. That's why I want JC Horn to be that guy. But I, I think we both kind of agreed. It felt like if I'm going off of the feel and the vibes from you on what he was doing in the middle of the season, it felt like you were giving him credit. And at the beginning, it was a rough start. But I, I do think he was playing as well as he had in quite some time. So How do you feel about Dante? My main thing about Dante Jackson is just that he's the quintessential player that doesn't play to his speed. And that's his number one asset. And everybody always talks about how fast he is, the 40 that he runs. And he tells you how fast he is. But we find him getting caught out of position position, uh, way too frequently to where he has to try to use that speed to catch up. And a lot of times it's too little, too late. Yeah, he is a willing tackler, but he misses a ton of tackles. And then when that's not happening, he's hurt. And so I think that it's time to move on from him. Uh, I don't know how they're going to be able to do that. I think that probably a trade, maybe for some some draft capital, late round picks, maybe you might be able to get a mid-round pick uh, out of him. But the thing is, I, I just don't think that Dante Jackson plays um, to his speed. Again, I reiterate, I just think he gets caught out of position too much. And I just think that, as I said, it, as fast as he can run, guys can still you know, beat him one-on-one, even guys that are slower than he is. Well, well, this is the disagreement, I guess, because it's the double moves and it's done. It's lack of discipline on go routes. I think Dante can keep up with some of these guys. Now he might get beaten because there's a bigger wide receiver on the outside that catches the ball over the top of him, And then it's the double moves that Dante Jackson has bid on, or he gets a little undisciplined. It doesn't stay with his man and follows the football instincts. And then that takes him to a different part of the field, but you're going to pro football focus. You're seeing him graded in the 60s out of 120 graded cornerbacks in the NFL and that it just matches up with the eye test for me if you want to move on from Dante Jackson among all of the other needs that you have on this football squad 
to move off of what I wouldn't consider a weakness. I would just consider an average player in order to roll the dice and hope that you get at least another average to better player at that spot. Like to me, I think you're just better suited looking elsewhere for players to help your weaknesses become those strengths. Right. So, okay. If we're trying to figure out what we need to address, I just don't think moving on from Dante Jackson is all that high on the list of things you need to take care of. Which you got something fitting? I was just gonna. I, I think for Panther fans, the frustration with Dante Jackson is you get back to two off seasons ago, they had to choose to invest in him and Hassan Reddick, and Scott Fitterer chose him, which is the wrong decision. And you look at the season that Reddick had while Philadelphia went to the Super Bowl. Jackson's a great guy. You love him in training camp. Because he's healthy, he's positive, he's not making mistakes, and he's hurt by mid-October. He's making – like, if, if he was your third or fourth corner, you probably don't hate that. Like, if he was where you want C.J. Henderson to be, you probably don't hate Dante Jackson as much because I think the more he plays, the more he gets exposed. And when you're paying him, what, three years, $26 million? Yeah, his average salary is 11.7. That's a hard that that's a hard pill to swallow. I, mean, I actually, man, I, I felt like the more he plays, the more he got into a rhythm because he's always out. I like, missing tackles. Well, that, that's the thing. Like, he actually has some games where he wasn't missing tackles and actually graded pretty highly. Like, that's the thing. It's, yeah, he's got a 14.1% missed tackle percentage uh, for this season and almost 17% for his career. Where does that rank among the other corners? Uh, I don't know. I go look at other guys, like some of the top defensive players in the game and stuff, and they're normally in that uh, 6 to 8 9% range. Yeah, I, I totally agree that in the run game, Dante isn't going to make a ton of tackles. Like, I, I totally understand that. With Dante moving on, all right, we've had a lot of corner problems here. Well, do you think you could play the nickel? Oh, yeah. But I, that's so key, though, corners tackling, though. And I think a lot of people always think of coverage first with a lot of corners. But when you look at the really good teams, I mean, even, you know, you go to college football, for example, a game that's as wide open as any, you look at that that game, Michigan's corners tackle as good as any corners that I've seen. And in a passing league, that is so important. And then also when you know you have vulnerabilities out there, teams, when they come running your way, when you play against teams that are the better running teams in football, and you know that you've got a vulnerability, vulnerability mm. you got a vulnerable corner over there. When it comes to tackling, teams well, are going to... <laughs> teams are going to attack that with him. And so that's why I think that it starts to get to a point where you do feel like that if things don't improve over there, that you may have to find a replacement. Yeah, like I, you know, not to belabor the point. I think there was only one game last year, according to Pro Football Focus, where he missed more than one tackle in a game. And that was against Seattle in week three. And every other game, he either had zero missed tackles or he only had one. Now, they might be critical, and that's a problem, and you can't have that. And I don't want you to be good for one missed tackle a game. That's not necessarily but true. But I wonder how they always count that, though, because we've seen games where there's been multiple times where they've gotten up on the second level, gotten to him, and he's he's been juked and stuff like that and missed plays. Well, so that, well it might I, just be the one time that. per game. Well, look, I mean, I'm... I can we can only go with what the stats. No, say, right? I, I I get so, that. So like if if we're going with the stats and we're you're going with the t- missed tackle percentage, right? Like that's something mm-hmm. you were abiding by. Like I hear you. That's the only stat we can go to. I'm not going to discredit it with this missed tackle number. I'm not going to discredit it. That's what we're seeing. I just think if we're trying to figure out the best moves to make this a better football team, there are a lot. Like where would we even rank? Oh God, we got to move off of Dante, man. I mean, I I think defensively. You need another edge rusher because you weren't getting as many sacks. So you need to pressure the quarterback a lot more. Derek Brown is playing 
what, like as many snaps as any defensive tackle in the league. So do you need a rotation there? We know that linebacker is weak, especially with Shaq Thompson possibly being on his way out. Frankie Louvu is a free agent, so you got to bring him so back. YGM and Marquise Haynes as well. And you need to find a, another 3-4 defensive end. So, so you just have, I'm not even saying, you know, forget the offense at this point. Where, where are the things that you need to take care of defensively? And like where Dante is either really good, right? Like if you just put a list of his games together, he's inconsistent for sure. Like definitely tabbed with that. He'll give you some really good games. He'll give you some average play. And he'll give you some really terrible games. And I need more assurance that we can get something good at that linebacker spot. Got to get another edge rusher. Because if we're here criticizing Brian Burns for not getting to the quarterback enough, then we definitely need to focus on pass rushers as much as anybody. So, all right, J.C.'s got to stay healthy. Plus, that's another thing. If J.C.'s hurt and you already moved on from Dante for whoever, now whoever that free agent is has to step up at Cornerback number one? Yeah. I mean, I think you could find an upgrade, and I think, too, you know. But why the, would you spend more money on it, right? Like, if, Well, it depends. You might be able to find a diamond in a rough, a guy that's better than him that makes less money. You could. I just think that the Panthers' run defense uh, is one of the worst in the league, and it's not all on the front seven either. That also comes when you get out on those edges and those corners can't tackle. You look at the teams we watched in the playoffs this weekend in the conference championship game. Pretty much all of them have guys that can hit. And cover, or not just hit, they can tackle and cover. 49ers DBs, they can cover and tackle. You look at uh, the Ravens. The Ravens DBs are as good as anybody at tackling and covering. So that plays into the – that's an important part of your run defense too, your corners coming up, being able to make sure plays. I'm not telling you that keep Dante Jackson at all costs is the thing. I know we've spent a lot of time on Dante. I I I was going to get to the fact too, I think that they should move on from J.C. Horn as well. He can't stay healthy. What are you keeping him for? Hey, okay, but Wes is telling you to roll out there with. Uh, no, yeah, what corners. are you keeping him for? We're going to move seven DBs with seven linebackers. The Panthers so you, will have some money, and there's a thing called the NFL draft. They can find some the drafts. I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> that draft thing, maybe. I'm but just I mean, saying. They have a first round. It, so, yeah. I don't know who you're going to have cover if you want to move on from J.C. and Dante, and we both agree that you got to take care of pass rusher first and foremost. I mean, they do have a free agency, that right? They gotta pay and they got to pay Derrick Brown, and they got to pay so you, and you want to pay Brian Burns. They're not going to pay everybody this. But you said you wanted to pay Brian Burns, okay. and you got to get ahead of the Derrick Brown stuff. And so now, it, what are you keeping, Frankie Louvu? Last, I think so. Yeah. So if you're keeping Frankie. But the, it's not like that's going to take up all the money. I'm oh, just okay. saying that you can go find some guys. Right. You can go find players that make less money that are solid players. Well, I'm not saying you got to go out and find the top free agent corners on the market. That, no, that, I hear you. You just want to, like, you've got I, one guy that's really injury prone, one guy that's not that great at coverage and can't tackle. I mean, that doesn't, yeah, he's like, right. that's that hurts the defense. Yeah, so does not having any corner. Like, I, but I hear you. Like, I, so you act like they can't go find anybody. Like, there's no more corners left on the place uh, on the the face of the earth if it, they get rid of those guys. We got to move on. But what I would say is, if you want to choose to move on from both J.C. Horn and Dante Jackson, when I would say they actually like when they're playing are good or average in Dante Jackson's case, and that's further down the list than what you need to do at linebacker, pass rusher, depth. And just to get rid of these guys' contracts, where I mean, JC's on a rookie scale deal right now. So now, if you want to get rid of them, just to spend that money for different players after paying some of the guys that you want to keep, 
I, it just doesn't make sense. I can't make it make sense. All right. Well, I mean, if you like two injury-prone corners and one of them can't tackle and can't cover. I like then corners, though. What's up. Like, I just like corners. All right. Well, when we come <laughs> back, more cornerback and injury talk and uh, what we're watching and a whole lot more when we close this thing down on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Wrapping up on Wesson Walker at Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Thanks for joining us as we played a bunch of sound from Dave Canales and Dan Morgan at the introductory press conference today. Tell us what you thought about those guys. We've been taking your opinions all day long on that at 704-570-9610. Again, that number 704 570 9610. We did a lot today. We had Fire Fizzle with ACC or local rivalries. We also had Fitty's favorites breaking down the top five North Carolina wins over Duke in Chapel Hill. Fitty got mad at some of the listeners not listening and getting mad at him for not having some of the wins in Cameron on the list, but this was specifically in Chapel Hill. So that was some of the frustration. Um, we also had some Dante Jackson, J.C. Horn conversation last break. We had plenty of other takeaways from Dave Canales. So what was the theme, you think? Do you think people were receptive to what Dave Canales had to say today? I think so. Um, it, you know, you're going to have people that are going to be skeptical of every press conference. You're going to always have a contingent of people who are not feeling it, and you're going to have a contingency of people who do. But I think uh, overwhelming, I, I think the best and the most refreshing parts, again, was the honesty that was revealed, him letting you know that he's nervous, him letting you know that he doesn't have all the answers. Uh, so I think all of those played well today. So I think he did a good job. Yeah, I think Dave Canales did as well. He said he had to win today. First and 10, fresh set of downs. Not a ton of coach speak from him, but we got a nice coach phrase there from Dave Canales, which I want every once in a while from my head coach. You also had former players there supporting the hire, supporting, I think, Dan Morgan as much as anybody, considering that's who they played with in 2003 when they were a good franchise, making it to the Super Bowl. Got to see Moose, saw Jonathan Stewart, who wasn't a part of that team, but I know Jay Stu was there. And uh, you had a lot of the members of the team now, the offensive line, they showed up. Brady Christensen, Austin Corbett, Icky Kwanu, all of those guys showed up. And we'll see if those guys will be able to protect for Bryce Young, because that's going to be ultimately the biggest thing they have to do. All right. What are we watching here tonight? As we always wrap up with video, are you going with better call Saul? What are you going to be watching this evening? That's the hope, man. I'm having some Netflix issues where they're cracking down on like, you know, the accounts and how many profiles you share with it. So I'm hoping to get back, uh, on the, on the saddle because, uh, no good college hoops tonight. Um, I don't know what's on the NBA. I know Lakers and Celtics play, but no LeBron, no AD, so that game's a little bit more unwatchable. So hoping to get back into Better Call Saul. You going to be watching anything tonight? Uh, yeah, man. I'm going to finish up Griselda. Uh, I've got a couple more episodes left of that. Uh, let's see what else. got a couple of reality shows to catch up on as well. So, uh, But I've also got to do uh, some women's basketball games tonight for the ACC Digital Network. So I'll be watching some women's hoops uh, on top of all that. You guys could watch some Queens men's basketball tonight if you wanted we to. We could. see Walker Mail. I'm going to be streaming. Yep. ESPN3. Go and stream it. Queens welcomes Eastern Kentucky. The Colonels. They're coming to the Queen City. I'm ready for Queens to get this dub. Hopefully they're going to be able to do that against Ooh. Eastern Kentucky tonight. You wearing suit? Probably without. Probably not a jacket. 
probably not wearing a jacket. You're doing shirt and tie? Shirt and tie. The lazy church look? Lazy church look. Gotcha. That's how I am. Mailing it in. Walker, mail it in. No. That's what I'm rolling with. <laughs> Do you have a like a preferred style of tie? Or like, you know, like a two-tone? Like, I like two colors in my tie. Or are you just like a just a bland... This one color tie guy. No, I I like to mix it up a little bit. I just it I don't know if there's any tone that I like to look at or anything else or if there's any blueprint that I abide by. If I like the tie, I buy it and then I wear it. And then I try to match it as best I can and then I go to work in that said tie that I'm wearing. That's about all, it. Are you always a white a white button down or do you have different color button downs in the in the closet? Different color button downs. Have a black button down that I wear a lot, have mm-hmm. a Carolina blue with a pattern on it button down that I wear. Um have I do have the white long sleeve shirt though. Yeah, well. I think about doing bow ties. Oh, I love bow ties. I have a couple bow ties. Yeah. I'm, you know, I love them. Nah, not necessarily my thing. So you don't like, like how you look at them. No, I think they're fine. Okay. I don't. I don't hate them or love them. I just. I think I look better in a tie, and so that's what I roll with. But the bow tie is fine. I got you. I'd rather just roll with a tie, is. though. That's what I'm gonna wear. It's fine. <laughs> Wait, is that is that disrespectful to bow ties? No, no I was just there. It is. He's fine. Yeah, I like a bow tie. Fine. I, would I, consi- I, I love them. I think it's the Brock Purdy of neckwear. Oh man. <laughs> Dude, I love, Throw this, grenade. I love this walker. <laughs> Throw the grenade right at the end of the uh, show. That'll huh? do it. No more segment. Hey, hey, look, we got to pass it on to Kyle, man. He's back in the booth, so we need to make sure that we give him his time. Kyle Bailey coming up next to give you his takes on the Dave Canales Dan Morgan press conference. Also, I think Fitty going to be filling in for at least the first couple segments and then Smoke coming by. I believe that's the schedule from 3 to 6. That's all still to come right here. Sports Radio 92.7 WFN. Mm.